Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. All right, this question is from Dusty. Uh, is there more Russell content in season four? Please say yes. 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 <laughs> Great. Uh, next question from Dusty. Is Ned still wearing his cowboy hat? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're... it's it's actually not a hat. It comes with the face. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's, part, it's part tar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Can, can you remove it or? <laughs> no. Is there like a. <laughs> it's a load bearing no. cowboy hat. <laughs> it's a load bearing hat. Great. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, this last rapid fire question is from Aries. Uh, what is each of y'all's favorite horror movie? Uh, if I can pick a series, Midnight Mass. If I have to pick a movie, Babadook. I will just say I'm a big baby for horror movies. And most of what I like about horror doesn't translate well to movies. Um, so I I don't really have a favorite Um if, if I can pick, does Doctor Who? Come? I, was, I was feeling <laughs> no. Doctor Who answer coming. Yeah. There are no, a couple it doesn't. Ones. Yeah. Well, Blink does certainly. Wow. Well, okay, okay. We can I'll give that. you that one. Yes. Yeah. But but yeah, uh, not not a big fan of visual horror personally, <laughs> I, or at least it's mostly because I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm gonna bandwagon on that um because i'm also (laughs) honestly not a huge horror fan i thought i was going to be like super unpopular with the answer but (laughs) it's totally fine (laughs) the closest thing is like the village by m night i i really Mm -hmm. like that um and those types of movies um his early stuff well right around that time frame was Mm -hmm. i think some of his better um, movies, but um, I think that would be my favorite. I love the ending and how it actually wasn't um, the horror that you thought that it was. So that was a very cool. Sorry if I gave that away for anybody. No, you you didn't spoil it. I was like, oh, is Aaron about to spell out exactly the <laughs> ending? But you didn't. That was vague enough. We're fine. It's also, been when a, did, it's that, been a while when did that also. movie come out? Yeah. yeah. So I think we're okay. Someone out there is like, damn it, I was going to watch The Village later today. So, so. You should, if you haven't, you should watch it. It's very good. Um, well casted. And I like, um, I do like suspense, you know. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just don't care for horror specifically because I, I get very scared. Even doing the show sometimes, I've had some moments where I was like, oh, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> um <laughs> But I do like, I like suspense. Like I really like A Quiet Place. Um, mm. The one that John mm. Krasinski did. You know, I like that type of fear. Nice. 
Ami? Speaking of bandwagoning, um, my <laughs> initial thought was, well, I'm, I'm not super a fan of horror movies. Um, I feel like my lack of any horror movies growing up really was um, exemplified in my early leaving home choices, some of which have influenced some episodes of the Sheraton tapes. Uh, <laughs> the dollhouse, anyone? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think there's a lot of things I wouldn't have done as an 18-year-old leaving home if I had ever watched anything like a horror movie. But then Virginia said Midnight Mass, and I did like Midnight Mass a lot. Oh, it's so like, good, right? It is oh. really good. If we're qualifying that as horror, then like, oh my yeah, gosh, absolutely. I don't know. But <laughs> I think I really prefer like written horror. You know, I, I study mythology a lot, and my favorite kind of like horror genre, I'd guess, would be those really, really old legends and myths that are sometimes interviews they had with refugees and sometimes just things mm. that they would talk about. And it's it's especially haunting because someone said these words and there are things that linger with you in the darkness long after you've finished reading it, whether you're alone in the house or not. And those stay with me for a really long time. <laughs> Um, I also, I love horror, but I'm not a big movie person. I think this probably doesn't count, but I think my favorite like semi-horror movie is probably Parasite by Bong Joon-ho, which mm. I understand oh. is also like part comedy and also part like drama. But, it's um, so good. It is a lot of things. It's <laughs> yeah. like one of the best movies of all time. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yeah, it's a little bit like social horror. I guess it got very scary for a little bit. Like yeah. If you if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, "What the fuck is yeah. this?" <laughs> I, think, I think it's mostly because you have no idea, like at any yeah. point, what to expect. From it takes it. a turn, and you're like, "What?" Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was scared. So I feel like that counts. Yeah. For yeah sure enough. Uh, my favorite horror movie is Get Out because it is one of maybe three that I've ever seen. I'm a big chicken, and I don't usually watch a lot of horror. So um. Yeah, wild that I'm in the show. <laughs> My favorite horror film, which I feel like I'm a little basic for saying this, but it just came out, and maybe that's why I'm thinking of it, because it's most recently in my mind. It's also borderline not horror, but it is. It's it's Jordan Peele's Nope. I just, I loved that film. I went in having literally zero expectation of what it was going to be, and it it absolutely blew me away. I loved I loved that movie. Okay, so these next three questions are all for Jesse Hoggins, so we're going to turn it over to him for a little bit. But this comes from Dusty, Jonah, and Aries. Questions on the music. Uh, would sheet music for the scores ever be available anywhere? The The reality is, is that a lot of the music in the Sheridan tapes would actually be hard to notate. It's a lot of kind of granular, effectsy sounds and interesting evolving pads and almost more textures than notes a lot of times. And so that wouldn't warrant sheet music exactly. However, there's also a lot of actual music and chords and melodies and stuff. And I don't currently have a plan to notate any of that. It, it would take quite a bit of time. Um, but I definitely am open to that sort of an idea. And I've explored doing something like that. One potential opportunity for something like that to happen is if we do some live recording in the final season, which I think is one of the stretch goals on the Seed and Spark campaign, which is currently running for the final season of the show. 
that would all be notated because it would have to be for the recorded musicians on the other project. I've, well, one of the other projects I've worked on with Homestead on the Corner, um, Tales of the Echowood. There's a bunch of notated music for that show, but that's because we did so much live recording. So typically with the Sheridan tapes, it's all done in the box or it's just me playing stuff. So I, I don't need to notate it, but I'm open to it. Just kind of need the right excuse to do so. How does one match the mood of a story with music and why is it so hard? In the question itself, you answered part of it. Um, it's it's incredibly hard. And, and the reason it's an even harder question to answer is because there's not actually an answer. There's not one way to do it. Um, there are, when you are doing underscore, a lot of right answers. Um, obviously, there are tropes and there are things that are kind of reified and things that we've come to understand as scary or spooky or um, emotional or uplifting. But at the end of the day, the the goal is always to play into those things insofar as you can lead the audience where you want to lead them, but also um, don't baby them and don't make everything so one-dimensional. The way that I always approached music, especially for the Sheridan tapes, when I'm writing these themes that Trevor then takes and puts into the show is to try to give them as many dimensions as possible so that it's not just like something overtly scary, but it's something um, maybe beautiful and scary. That's such a more interesting thing. And it, it tends to work better under multiple different scenes and moods. And so, yeah, uh, I don't know how to answer this question other than it's just, it's a lot of experience and it's a lot of empathy. It's just knowing what these characters and this story is trying to accomplish and then doing whatever I can make to feel it myself and hope that that translates to um, the people listening to the show. And what song would you assign each character? Okay. The song that I would assign each character, this, this is way too big a question. There are way too many songs. So I narrowed it down and maybe made it so obscure that it won't, translate but i decided what radiohead song would i assign each character so and i'm only going to do the main characters um which actually as i look at my list doesn't even include anna but she you know anna wasn't even in the the season very much so um i for sam i would do pyramid song um for kate i would do daydreaming for bill i would do a wolf at the door and for maria i would do weird fishes you can go listen to those and maybe they make sense, maybe they don't. I will offer no explanation as to why, but those are the choices that I have made. All right, question 15. Uh, this is from Aries. There's a lot of queer characters in the show. What would you say some of the main characters' individual identities are? Gender identity, romantic orientation, sexuality, all that. Um, we know for sure that Sam uh, is canonically gray ace and uh, bi or bi? Uh, Biromantic, bi romantic, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Kate, uh, at the end of the season came out as, uh, bi or pan. She is figuring that out. Uh, she seems to feel pretty comfortable as a, as a cis woman. Um, romantic guy. Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I think Kate is very romantic with Peter, but, but struggles more with vulnerability. I don't think that's so much, uh, uh, affecting her romantic orientation. That's just a trust issue thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> couple of lesbians couple of lesbians down here <laughs> well um. <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I would say Anna also feels comfortable as a cis woman. Um, and I would identify as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. I would say obviously Maria as well, um, mm-hmm. given, you know, everything in our context. Beyond that, um, I feel like Maria has, and this is all me spitballing, um, mm. Maria has a lot of potential to be very affectionate and romantic, but it's hard to see through all of the trauma she currently has mm. to um, <laughs> see what that is. I yeah. <laughs> I feel like, to quote her, you know, the last couple of years have really mangled her up inside, and um, she's... I'll be interested to see if there's any kind of any kind of influence on uh, that from her taking time for herself, her self-care kind of hiatus. Mm. Because I think that, at least with her, you know, a lot of how one puts oneself out in the world and how one expresses one's love for others, especially when they're, say, a missing girlfriend who you're not sure is alive or not, is really influenced by one's mental state. And I think Maria's been in a pretty bad place for a while. Um, so I'm really not too sure on that. Hmm. But I want to find out. And I have my own headcanons, of course. Of course. <laughs> Ned is gender fluid. Um, I was going to say, is there. are there canonical answers for <laughs> Ned? Because I have, I have opinions on this, but you, you guys wrote Ned. Not necessarily. Yeah, we'd love to hear yours. That is an open book. Yeah. So whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. you want to throw out there. <laughs> I think that is pretty clearly gender fluid. Um, I learned a new term about gender today: um, demi androgene, which is like any combination of feminine and masculine genders. And I quote: "And also a different third gender." <laughs> I was like, and a secret "Yes, third male, thing. but also a secret third thing." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "That sounds very Ned." Yeah, it's definitely part secret yeah. third thing. Yeah. Um, the secret third thing is tar. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is probably like pansexual or omni or some sort of encompassing sexuality. And um, probably gray arrow is how I mm. perceive him. Um, mm, yeah, but that... I don't know. I think he's very confused about what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he knows. Has, hasn't felt it many times. Uh, right. He's very, very uncomfortable with the feeling. I don't think it's yes. that he doesn't feel those feelings. I think they just make him very deeply uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and more parallels to Sam Bailey. Great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> nice. Um, and then Bill, of course, is bi. Um, he is. Uh, that's canonical. He said that in season two. Um yeah, he seems to feel good as a cis man. That's never been openly defined. Uh, and he's very clearly a romantic person as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob is as well. Um, they're just very tender with each other. Ren. Ren is non-binary. How does Ren define their um, sexuality? I'm pretty sure I've said Pam okay. um, when we've talked about it before. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ren seems... Well... Hmm, I'm trying to think about the the romantic orientation with Ren because I would I was about to say aromantic and then I remembered um the episode where it's like his first date with Adam mm-hmm. and like in his own way he's being romantic so I don't know <laughs> in uh, a very awkward yeah. very Ren kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Morrison Morrison's a, a uh I don't know white straight cis man but 
aromantic for sure. I cannot see him enjoying connections um, like that. I, that's not something that's ever going to be written. Uh, <laughs> that would be an awful B-side to write. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> it's just an, an absolutely rancid date between that's... Morrison and someone. Oh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to cast no, anyone like to that, play uh... that date. I would feel bad for them. Um, that one tweet about like, oh, I could not possibly f- at this juncture, look at your watch and power walk to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here's uh, a few more questions. We'll try and move through them quickly. Um, They're about character things mostly uh so this is from aries what's each of the main characters favorite colors um i don't know i feel like kate's might be like red or reddish pink yeah sam i'd probably say some kind of deep uh navy blue or something like that Mm. um i would say anna likes gray and Mm. when she's in a good mood she likes dark gray (laughs) (laughs) i love that she goes to charcoal gray yeah. <laughs> when she's in a bad mood, it's Kelly Gray. <laughs> I also kind of like feel like she probably has like her like navy blue hoodie that she just like her go to that goes over her Kelly Gray t shirt. Yeah. And she needs to feel tender. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I feel like my initial response for Maria is that. Her favorite color is purple. To be honest, Aries, that's because you always draw her in purple, and now I associate purple with Maria's soul. Um, If I'm branching away from that at all, which every fiber in my being says no, um, I think like orange, you know? Mm, I I feel like red would be too close to a traumatizing color for her. Mm -hmm. Um, But orange, she's pretty dang fiery. Mm -hmm. Maybe not always like eye-searing orange, but like a pleasant orange. Yeah, like a vibrant, lively, marigold orange, something. That works. I think she has a hideous pair of striped pajamas that are purple and marigold orange, and I will not unsay that. (laughs) I think this would be pretty cute. Aries is instantly uh, like, new fan art idea. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it would be really cute if she wore them when she was having arguments with Anna, given (laughs) Anna's preferences on like, when she's happy, oh the different shades of gray. When Maria, when uh, Maria's sulking, she wears her stripy pajamas. Oh, excellent! She's <laughs> protesting. Love it. I love it so much. Canon, canon now. <laughs> I feel like Ned's favorite color is like a burgundy or like mm-hmm. maroonish, and I feel like he's <laughs> that that kind of trope of a guy who wears the exact same shirt every day, but then you see his closet and he's just got thirty of the exact same shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a plain like burgundy colored t-shirt he yep, wears yep. it every single day yeah that tracks a man who can make his face look like whatever he wants but just wears the same clothes on every single person uh-huh they start flagging him they know it's him because it's just this guy in the same shirt <laughs> yeah it's a f-ing shirt again uh, um uh. <laughs> so for caldwell's favorite color uh there's like a specific kind of reddish orangish brown that is found on um your grandma's floral couch from the 1960s. 
that. I don't know why, but it is. There she is. That's Caldwell. Uh, another question from Aries. What is each character's Zodiac sign and Myers-Briggs thingy? I admit I was going to look some stuff up before this and I forgot. I do remember that Ned is a Virgo, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I Oh, gosh. What is Kate? I it is. Well, OK. I remember Sam's birthday. Sam is pretty clearly a Sagittarius, if I remember right. Yeah, I think that is right before Capricorn season. What was it? It was like a. Oh, he might be a cusp. Oh, shit. What? Where's <laughs> trying to remember all of my astrological knowledge at once? He's either a Sagittarius or he's a Sagittarius Capricorn cusp, which would also make sense. Like the uh, just wild adventure guy fused with ambition, must do work, must go now. And those are definitely at odds uh, in Sam Bailey. So that would make sense to me. Uh, I think Inna's is an Aries. She has a March birthday. That makes sense to me. Uh, Maria. Oh, Maria was. Maria's also a Virgo. That's right. Because we talked about that in Toto Se Pasa. She was born in the beginning of September. So maybe I did. I do remember birthdays more than I thought I did. Uh, <laughs> just not Kate's. Um, hmm. Has it ever come up in the show? I don't know. But you you at one point just randomly wrote some birthdays down in a spreadsheet. And there were some like funny alignments that sort of made sense. Oh, yeah, even I do. Don't let, let me know let me, astrology. <laughs> Um, yes, gonna me, pull the spreadsheet, which is cool. why Virginia is answering this question and not me. Yeah, um, um, I'm gonna see if I can find that. I, I haven't, I haven't updated that timeline document in a while, but let's yeah. see. Uh, and I think that at one point there was like an early character doc that maybe describes some Myers Briggs things, but we haven't done that. Yeah, in a but while. that's that's very early, and that's kind of almost entirely different versions of the yeah. characters at this point. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. December December twelfth uh, was Kate. Oh, wait. at least in that initial. Yeah. I believe that's also Sagittarius then. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay, that sort of makes sense. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, she, she's been suppressing that for a while, I think. And now she really is truly just leaning into that <laughs> yeah. party adventure gate. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, so next question um, is from Jonah. Uh, how is everyone recording? DIY sound booths are hilarious. Question and a comment. Um, I'm in a, a walk-in closet that I've treated with some uh, foam stuff and sound blankets. So that's my setup. Yeah, about the same here. <laughs> I have possibly the least sophisticated setup um, ever. I am in my family room. And this is the third place I've recorded since starting the show. I've <laughs> moved three times. <laughs> and so I was in my bedroom. Then I was in my parents' basement. And now I'm in our family room in our house. Um, I don't have a walk-in closet. Otherwise I would happily record in there. I wish that I did for very many, many reasons. Um, but yeah, I have the lovely equipment that Trevor sent me, um, in the very, very early days of the Sheridan tapes. And I, try to make it as quiet as possible. There are no ice cream trucks or crazy helicopters <laughs> where I'm at presently, like there were when I was in LA. Um, I really appreciate you moving all the way out there for your sound quality. I know. I, I, I think it's, it's kind of probably better. Dedication. But, um, yeah. I just, when I am recording though, I line, I take like every throw blanket we have in our house and I just like put them everywhere so that I have as yeah. much soundproofing <laughs> as possible, even though I'm in kind of a larger room. It's worked very well this season. I do just want to say. Good. I'm glad to hear that um, because I feel really bad that I'm not in 
in a walk-in closet or my own room. You do the best you can. <laughs> you, you really do. I have really good carpeting though in this room. I think that helps. Mm. Oh, absolutely. How about you, Ami? <laughs> I have the most needlessly complicated setup. I <laughs> I had a setup in my last room. I moved rooms and for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that was efficient and wonderful and move forward from that. I will never oh, yes, admit anything absolutely. about that. <laughs> this one, though. So I took, I'm recording at my desk in my room, and I took the roll top off my desk because I want to sew on my desk, which means I have nothing to lean things against. So at the moment, I have my laptop on top of my desk, half of my bed pillows piled around it in like this concave kind of thing. But they're not very stiff because I like soft pillows, so they're kind of sagging a lot, and I can't lean things against them. I have to the right, to the left of me, on um, around my microphone, which is screwed on to a half-open drawer of my desk, uh, like eight <laughs> soundproofing panels stacked on top of each other with nothing connecting them. I'm terrified to breathe because I feel like they're going to fall. I have more stacked between the microphone and one of my pillows piled on top of my sewing basket. Um, for like above, I have three half sketched on canvases for painting that are piled haphazardly with, um, this is really complicated. <laughs> Just like- <laughs> I love this because I actually can't see any of this except for a tiny corner. So this is like, so much more than I could have imagined. This it's is terrifying. So the two of the canvases are like stacked on top of my back pillow for bed, which is like almost as tall as I am and hideous rainbow bright. I love it. I made the pillowcase myself. And on top of those are more sound panels. And to the <laughs> right of me, which I just really wanted to block things, is another massive pillow, which is not very dependable. So I have another canvas like right up next to my right cheek. And I have a peacock um, design sarong draped over my head. And if I sit up straight, this whole thing is going to fall like a tower of Jenga. And if the cat gets curious. Oh, no. So you're like shrimped up in your seat right now. I am. Right I can't move. If the cat gets off the bed and gets curious and comes over, you are going to hear it because this is not standing up to anything. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you hear Maria's wow. soul, Ami is in mortal peril, just so you know. Yes. <laughs> That was me for season two. Um, My partner and I live in a a decent sized house. Now we bought a house. But before that, we lived in like an 800 square foot New York apartment. um, And I recorded in a closet. But you have to understand that this closet was like one and a half by one and a half feet. And I'm not a walk in closet. I'm six foot one. I'm a large person. And so, like, I did not have room for a stand for my mic. I didn't have room to bring my laptop in. So I was like, Hitting record and then like running into the closet and shutting the door. And then my neighbors would walk above me. But, the um, there, there it was, was the also, shed. We called it the shed. There was also no light in there. So the you were always recording. And there was in the no dark. light. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a, an upright coffin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did feel like I was being buried alive every time. Um, that The, the Shamsen Mine episode, <laughs> we took a three hour recording session and I thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. But, um, <laughs> I'm so right. sorry, Ezra. No, it was, it was, that was a lot of one of the fondest like, memories action. I have of the yeah. show. But. Um, <laughs> It did hurt. I'm glad. But now um, my partner built me um, an actual recording booth. It's like a four foot by four foot Aww. isolation booth because I do, um, I voice act professionally and I work on other projects besides this one, but um, I live next to a highway. So we had to get mm-hmm. a really good booth in place, like 
because I had a video game to record for the week after we moved into this house. <laughs> and oh, my, my partner is a saint. And if people if people wanted to hire you, wh- where should they go? <laughs> they should go to EzraJWayne.com. Hell yeah. You can hear Hell my yeah. demo reel and you can submit <laughs> a request to hire me. <laughs> Everyone hire Ezra. Do yes. It. <laughs> Please. All right. Great. <laughs> I usually record in my closet, which as a queer person, it's funny to be back in there for like fun reasons now. Um, but yeah, usually just surrounded by shirts and pants. It's cozy. Okay. Uh, question 19. This is from Aries. Um, this is for all of us. How has the creative process been this season? Um, for myself, uh, I felt really good about this one. I feel like, uh, I was able to step up a little bit and like put some, like front load some organization into it. And I feel like it really paid off and I'm very, very happy with how everything went. Um, creatively, I feel like we told probably our best stories this season and I feel really good about all of the episodes and it was just so much fun. I had a lot of fun with everybody. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, same. I think all the work you did, Virginia, in your role as producer this season just made the process of, you know, recording and, you know, preparing these episodes just go so much more smoothly and just gave me personally just more of a chance to focus on acting and directing and then, Mm. you know, the post-production side. It And then, yeah, on the creative side, just the sheer variety of stories we were able to tell this season while still having that strong core of, you know, the character arcs of, you know, the searchers and, you know, the other supporting characters through the season. Um, Yeah, I'm really proud of what we've made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll jump in. I want to kind of commend um, just the production and the logistical aspects of the the podcast and how that has grown because it's been a very smooth season, I think, in terms of recording um, and very structured. And I just appreciate that this season, honestly, I'll just be pretty frank, was a little bit challenging for me personally, mm-hmm. because I was working a pretty heavy full-time job and it was my first year as a new mom. Yeah. And so it, I'm not going to lie. It was hard a little bit for me and, and somewhat creatively because of that. Um, Mm. but I think just the accommodations and the structure was so supportive of that. So it's so appreciated because I do very much love this project and have, loved growing with this project, especially, um, and I, and I say this with just nothing but fondness, especially from where Trevor and I started (laughs) to where we are today. Um, it's been such a journey and I just appreciate this project so much, but creatively, I mentioned earlier that Anna's had a little more range, I think this year Mm -hmm. and, um, or this season and, that's been fun. It's been fun to um, kind of explore that and the romantic side and of her and, um, you know, the, the side of her that's searching 
for answers. And, um, I've just really, and I've, I've enjoyed where she's at this season. You did such a great job this season. And I'm so glad that we were able to figure out how to make it work for you with like all of the things going on in your life. Um, we actually realized when we got on the call earlier that this is the first time that Anna and Aaron have been together on a Zoom call this whole season. So if you didn't know, Maria and Anna didn't actually weren't actually recording those scenes together this whole season. Um, hats off to we, both of we you. We kept trying to make it happen, but schedules kept, on, yeah. which is fine. And we, you both did phenomenal work. Um, yeah. It was pretty ironic, very Sheridan tape style. You know, I really felt like I was looking for my lost girlfriend because that I'd heard nothing of but her voice recording because I heard nothing but voice recordings of Erin. I knew she was out there somewhere. Um, I think my creative process this season has definitely improved my acting a lot uh, since where I was when I first began. Um, I also think it's a testament to course the writing for our amazing writers where every season maria just seems more and more like a person to me and i have so many more parallels with her every season that i'm really interested to see how much further that's going to develop in the next season because like i don't know if it's possible to get any more parallels but i'm sure you'll manage it somehow (laughs) um i think for me, the biggest challenge this year for recording was I traveled abroad for the first time in Europe, and I mm. thought oh my God, I had everything right. nailed down for oh. recording, and I got a, a couple of text messages and emails when I was actually laying on a rooftop in Mallorca, Spain, saying, hey, forgot to record something. You felt so bad. <laughs> We felt so bad about that. And see. (laughs) Didn't want to bother you in Europe. I always love hearing from you folks, for the record. Um, (laughs) The problem with making a recording for the missed part there was that I happened to be staying in the least productive for recording anything place I've ever seen in my entire life. The entire apartment was made out of glass. Uh, Like all the walls were glass. Um, Everything except for the floor was glass, which was really interesting staying in with a couple of other people because like the walls to all the rooms were glass and the door would swing open and i had to put stickers on my glass door because i ran into it twice (laughs) i am a simple person and i i hit my head twice and the person i was with very kindly put a sticker on the door for me um anything you did echoed throughout the entire house Mm -hmm. like I think someone clipped their fingernails once and someone else called from downstairs. Oh, who's cutting their fingernails? And like, you could hear everyone breathing and there was no way I could record anything. (laughs) I felt so bad. So that was why, um, what episode was the, um, uh, the, uh, Lizzie Le Bon Temps Rollet, uh, the, the, the New Orleans episode. That was why that one was delayed a week, which <laughs> uh, totally understandable. There was no way you were going to get that done in that house. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we tried, but that was that was the one thing that slipped through the cracks this season. <laughs> I remember the line that I missed, too. I will never forget it. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, how about you, Ezra? Um yeah, uh, I actually recorded asynchronously. Like, I was 
able to be live directed, but we were missing a couple people. I think for mm. scenes I had with Ray, Sophie, and Mike. Um, I don't think I got to record with yeah. Mike at all this season. Um, so I cannot overstate how much of a boon it is to have a, a director present in a session who like understands you as an actor and what you need, because I really do some of my best work when you are directing me. <laughs> I appreciate it so, so much. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm definitely personally an actor that needs to be directed to do my best performance. And you always know how to get that from me. And I appreciate that so much. It's just such a breath of fresh air. You know, when you freelance, you work on all sorts of projects with all sorts of people. So it's nice to be able to like come home and work on something that's familiar, you know, with a character I'm passionate about and understand, um, you know, and I had a great time this season, even though I didn't get to record like with people as much as I would have liked. It, I still had a great time and I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Aww. Ezra. <laughs> the final season of the Sheridan Tapes is crowdfunding now at seedandspark.com slash fund slash Sheridan Tapes 4. Help us finish the story of Anna Sheridan and find answers to the mystery and get exclusive rewards and perks for backing the campaign before it closes on December 11th, 2022. That's seedandspark.com slash fund slash Sheridan Tapes, the number four. Or follow the crowdfunding link at theshardentapes.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.